I'm fearful of losing that spontaneity of, of running uh, to, I don't know, the Bahamas or, or further, you know, and, and, and doing this and that and just kind of chasing around a good time. But I've done that a lot. <laughs> I've got some pretty good stories. I wrote about it. Welcome to the Big Kid Problems Podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human behind the popular Instagram, Twitter, blog, and now podcast, Big Kid Problems. So I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about navigating the adult world. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have big kid problems. We're all just trying to figure it out. And you know what? That's okay. So each week, we're going to take a funny yet informative look at a specific struggle or big kid problem, if you will. Then we'll break it down with a rotating cast of comedians, personalities, and experts to actually give us the tools and resources to help us solve our big kid problem of the week. From love and relationships, money, career, physical and mental health, bad decisions, and just general life responsibilities, nothing is off limits. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm your host, Sarah Merrill. I'm the writer and comedian behind Big Kid Problems, which is a popular Instagram, Twitter, blog, and now obviously podcast, all about resisting to, but still learning to, adult. Now, today's guest definitely falls into the big kid category. If you're an avid Bravo watcher or a Southern Charm fanatic, you've definitely seen him resisting growing up for about seven years now. Guys, Shep Rose is in the hot seat today. Shep has always been one of my favorites on Southern Charm. He is just so unapologetically who he is. And you gotta love that he just seems like he's always down for a good time and doesn't seem to take his life too seriously. And in a world where I think so many of us are just trying to like grind and hustle, I mean, I know I'm guilty. I almost think we could all take a page out of Shep's book and learn to go with the flow a little bit more. And speaking of books, Shep's new book, Average Expectations, Lessons in Lowering the Bar, hits shelves this month. So we're going to talk about how his book came to be, life before and after Southern Charm, his relationship track record, and if he thinks he'll ever settle down. I mean, I know you guys are curious about that one. Having to watch your mistakes on national TV and just so much more. A lot of you submitted questions for Shep and I got to give him credit. He is a pretty open book and just so much fun to chat with. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you do, post it in your stories, tag Shep and I, leave a little review if you can. I mean, you guys know the drill. So without further ado, let's go on a journey to Shepland. Stay tuned and we will be right back. Before we jump in with Shep, I have to give a huge, huge shout out to Minted for helping make this show possible. A lot of you know I'm getting married this year and Minted has been a freaking lifesaver. I designed my wedding website, my save the dates, and right now I'm working on my invitations, which yes, I know I'm only three months out from my wedding and I should have probably already ordered them by now, but that's a whole other story. 
Vinted makes it so easy to shop gorgeous, unique designs from independent artists around the world. They have luxurious materials and the finest, thickest papers to help your invitations, cards, or save the dates really stand out. And with unlimited proofing rounds, you can work with a dedicated minted designer to make sure every detail is just right before you order. I'm kind of scrambling to get my invites done at this moment. So it's really good to know that I have another set of eyes making sure everything is centered and done correctly. I also love how you can customize any design with foil or letterpress designs, wax seals, or ribbon for added texture and impact. I did gold foil on my save the dates and they came out so cute. I am definitely going to add that touch for my invitations. They also provide a free personalized sample kit with your favorite design so you can see and feel the print quality before making any decisions. It really does make such a difference to be able to see and touch your invites firsthand to help you make that decision. So start crafting your unique save the dates or invitations with Minted, made custom just for you. Enjoy 20% off your first order by going to minted.com slash big kid. Guys, weddings cost so much money. Definitely save money where you can. Again, that's 20% off at minted.com slash B-I-G-K-I-D. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Big Kid Problem Podcast. I'm joined now with, I feel, a real-life big kid in the flesh. Shep Rose in the house. Welcome to the show. Hey, so does this mean they're going to miss our little uh, conversation before we, uh, when we just said hello? Because, <laughs> or do we need to rehash the, um, the fateful night in Montauk? <laughs> I, we may actually need to. I, fe- I feel like we have to give people some context. So Shep and I have actually met. We yes. we had a, we had ourselves a night. Yes, <laughs> and uh, me and Austin and Craig were staying at this island. Don't ask what the name is. I'll never remember. Um, block? No, it's not Block Island. Shelter Island. Shelter Island. Maybe that's it. And yeah. um, there's a ferry that goes across, and we, it was during the U.S. Open at Shinnecock, and we went over to y'all's place, and unbeknownst to us, because we're idiots, like the last ferry was at like one a.m. and we were kind of ready to go around then, but uh, when nobody got their shit together, there was no no cohesiveness or a real leadership going on. And so we basically had to turn to them and just say, hey, you're stuck with us till 6.30, I think the first one was. So we kind of got silly. We just kept drinking wine. It was fun. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, you guys were basically stuck with us all night in the Hamptons. And vice versa, by the way. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah, But it was, it turned into like a wild, wild night. We were just being silly till like 6 a.m. I was hungover for a week after that. I was miserable. I was miserable. (laughs) (laughs) I felt bad for you guys. You actually had to like get on a ferry or something like that at 6 a.m. I know, I know. Yep, yep. It was pretty bad morning. And I I think I got the jitney and just like, you know, fell asleep. Oh man, we've all we've all had that like horrible hangover jitney ride. It's kind of like a rite of passage. Yeah, just <laughs> me. I'm going to stay in Charleston uh, as far as beach weekends are concerned for the most part from now on. I know, I know that was fun. It's actually funny though because when I met you guys that weekend, I was thinking I'm like you guys are such normal dudes. Like I'm like you you remind me of our friends that we would be hanging out with. Good. You know, like and I feel like sometimes in a reality show setting, like I think my perception was different than what I expected. 
out of you guys? Would you, you know, say watching the show, like, are you happy with your perception? Like, do you think yeah. that you come across how you are? Well, I didn't seek this out. You know, I didn't, I wasn't trying to be an entertainer on TV at all. Um, I was sort of in a lost. Um, I was, I'd gone to Vanderbilt Business School, got my degree, worked in Dubai uh, the summer in between my first and second year. And got a, uh, offered a return and be, and like live in Dubai, get paid nicely, and and travel around the world looking at different uh, projects potentially for uh, a sovereign fund, which was unlimited due to the oil. So I was like doing that, and my dad was an international businessman, or his my grandfather was, and my dad's done a lot of business. My dad's a big traveler, so. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I've been, and I don't know how the hell I fell into this situation, but <laughs> then um, the the financial crisis of 2008 happened as soon as I went back for my second year at business school, and the party was over, and uh, I had to figure out what I was going to do. And I was in real estate and resort sort of stuff, and at that point, nobody was doing anything like that. I mean, and it might have been years and years and years. So. I had to figure out what I was going to do. And it was, it's kind of a long story. It's all in the book, but um, for most of it, at least. And uh, I was at a rooftop party, um, just kind of doing my thing in Charleston, visiting some friends and ran into T-Rav, who then introduced me to Whitney. And Whitney was putting the show together. And um, back to your like, yeah, you guys seem like normal guys. That's because I kind of am, I think. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm a little eccentric and I've had a lot of fun all around the world, but I, I, I don't, I don't see myself. I, I think I get positive feedback or whatever because of that. Like you said, normalcy. I, I think, you know, we're all kind of weird in our own ways. We're all raised by nice, normal people, you know, from, you know, wherever America. And uh, I mean, Cam was on real worlds. So that kind of skewed her worldview, but, I mean, when, when we found her, when, when Whitney convinced her to do the show, she was uh, like head of the makeup department at a department store or, you know, a Gwyn's here in, in Charleston. So I didn't living, know that. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, uh, you know, putting on makeup and she ran like the little booth in, in that little area and whatnot. And, and um, so I think we're all sort of normal. But again, <laughs> it's been seven years and you can point to several things where you say, how the hell is that normal? But I think it does resonate with people. And I think that's a big part of why. Yeah, for sure. It's like you... you I feel like you guys are like the crazy friends out of the group. Okay. You know, like everyone kind of has... That. Everyone kind of has like that those friends in the group that are like wild and take things to the next level. And I feel like you guys... You yeah. Guys and that's a are, testament to Whitney and his... Uh, well, originally... Uh, with the original cast, I mean, he put it all together, and he knew he knew some uh, you know interesting characters when he met them, and uh, so that's a testament to Whitney. And um, yeah, it's been fun. I mean, I get a lot, a lot of of men come up to me and say, "Hey, my girlfriend, my wife got me watching your show," and <laughs> I, I of course resisted and initially, but man, I love you guys. I love what you do and you're funny and you remind me of my buddies and stuff like that. So, yeah. Did you, so you, clearly some of the cast members were picked out by Whitney, but who did you know, like going into filming or was everybody kind of, kind of T new and picked through? T-Rav. <laughs> I knew T-Rav, but not well. He, he lived across the street from my uncle. And um, so 
No, I didn't. You know, no is the answer. I mean, I knew uh, Landon from way back. Um, she's been on the show. And then I knew Austin before he joined the show. But it wasn't like old friends getting together, which I think was helpful or is can be helpful because you don't have that. Like, I don't know who your aunt and uncle are and your mom and dad are. So I, I by the way, I'm not the guy who's going to talk much shit or try not to. But you don't have that. <laughs> You don't have that like deep connection to where you're like a little careful and trying to, mm. you know, protect because in this in this game in this universe, the reality TV, you 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 kind of have to just let it fly. You know, I mean, be respectful, but let it fly. And so I think it, was, it helped us that we did. There wasn't a deep, deep old connection. You know. Yeah, I can see how how that would help. Well, so you, I, I I think Savannah Southern Charm Savannah suffered from that. They. They knew each other's families from when they were knee high and they saw each other's uncles and aunts and cousins at the country club or whatever. It's just hard to be raw and honest on national television if you have that deep, like that old school thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, we're such good friends now that it, I mean, it, it, it adds a whole new wrinkle. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't know Craig from before. It feels to me like you guys have been buddies forever. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He was in, you know, I started, I was 33 and he was 27. He was coming out of law school or maybe he's 26. So yeah, I mean, I don't care about age, but um, you know, the younger you are, the more age is like a glaring thing. But as you get older, you realize it's no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree with that. Who do you think you know, obviously, I feel like you guys keep it pretty real on the show. But do you think anybody on the show has like a different perception in real life? Like, who would you who would you say is like has the most different, or is the most different than how they're portrayed on the show? I don't think there, there's a really good answer there because the, the camera doesn't lie. Like, you can you can you can kind of lie, and but but like the the chickens will come home to roost, and you, who you really are will always show. And so we've all had our ups and downs, but I i mean, nobody's Machiavellian or whatever enough to be a completely different person. That would be very difficult in my opinion. Yeah. That's because you've got <laughs> thousands of hours of footage, you know, and like yeah. your, your, your true self has to shine through. I mean, even the good, bad and ugly, you know? Yeah. I feel like, I've seen in other shows though where production takes such like a can take such a hand and editing you to look a certain way. Like I had a I've had girlfriends in reality TV who have gotten like decimated and made to look a certain way. You are not gonna and- get me to talk about that, Sarah. <laughs> I a, a, a bolt of lightning will come through my roof and hit me in the head straight from New York or LA. All right, fine. But, but I was gonna... wink, wink, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. No. yeah. No, ours is good. Ours is good. I have no, you know, we all have complaints. Like, ah, uh, but if you said it or did it, you said it or did it. That's it. But, yeah. So, but, but yeah, it can get a little more involved with, you know, omissions um, of someone else saying something that justified your comments, right? And then you look like the dick when you actually had a pretty good case, you know what I mean? And that that's that's what can be frustrating, but it's all part of it. Yeah. I was going to say, is there ever, was there, if you could erase one thing like out of the memory, like I know we all say like, we don't have regrets, but like if you could take back one thing that's been shown on the show, what would it be? 
No, it's not what's been shown. It's what hasn't been shown. That's that's my biggest thing. And 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 mostly it's just stuff that I that I like to do. Like we went on a big dove hunt a while back, and and it didn't it didn't make it to air for several reasons, which were frustrating to me. And that ah, uh, you know, you, you you wish that and other little dumb comments, like funny things that you think were funny, but maybe weren't funny to the people who are paying attention. So. It's mostly what, what what hasn't come about, but again, on the whole, I'm I'm pretty pleased. I'm very pleased, and life is good. And I tell people the show is seventy percent like awesome, yeah, like and thirty percent you know bury your head in your hands, and that's a pretty good hit rate for anything in life that you're gonna do. Yeah, I would say seventy percent is that's passing. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, low C. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. But you're not um, in control. You're exactly right. Like you are, but you're not. Um, but you have to yeah. be. You have to be provocative or try to be. Otherwise, there's no show. So if something pissing you off, maybe in normal life you'd just be like, I don't fucking care who's that person anyway. But you got to confront it. And so there's just no denying or getting around that. Yeah. Do you think you'll be like? How much longer do you think you'll be doing Southern Charm? Is this something that you just like? You're like, I'm gonna ride this thing to the wheels fall off, or are you starting to get pings? Like, maybe eventually. Like, where do you where do you stand on that? I'm. It depends on what day, you know, and um, and what year. So, I I've had my moments of what's next, you know. Like I've had those kind of moments and. I don't want to like leave anybody in the lurch. I certainly would never like spring it upon uh, anybody. I've had conversations with people in higher up places, like I'm, I'm feeling this way, and and they're very cool and they're very appreciative that I'm upfront about it. So I'm going to continue to be honest. And you know, there's nobody holding any guns to anybody's head, so it's hard. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. But um, the fans seem to like it, and like things like. BravoCon or what have you, that's just so indicative of like, you actually make a lot of people happy and laugh and, and you distract them from whatever troubles they might have. And there's value in that. And you should, you should understand that and appreciate that. Yeah. The Bravo fandom is no joke. <laughs> yeah. And it's easy to get well, and it's easy to get um, to think or to observe or hear negativity from those same quote unquote fans, whoever they are that, and think why, you know, fuck this, you know what I mean? What am I, you know, I don't need this just wretched uh, comments about something that happened, you know, on their television set. So like, I, I urge those people if I can, which is difficult to do is just take, you know, take a step back and think about like someone's feelings before you say something awful and realize that, you know, we're, not perfect, but I'd like to see everyone else's life put on TV for seven years and see what, what everyone else thinks. Oh my God. Yeah, I know you you talked a little bit about that in your book is just kind of like the trolling and cancel culture and yeah. all of that stuff. I'm impressed with how you guys even handle it. Like I maybe get like one or two negative comments on like every post and I take it so personally. Like did you ha- did you originally take it personally? Was this like something you had to like learn how to kind of like take on the cheek? Yeah. Or? No, I fought back, especially on Twitter. I was like, I am fucking smarter than all of these <laughs> reprobates. And yeah, like I was like, I can, I can, in a battle of wits, it's, it's no contest. Um, so I would fight back. And then 
I just realized it was shouting into the wind. It was not like there was no winner or loser. Sometimes someone would say something so ridiculous that you could kind of get your supporters or whomever to like all jump on the bandwagon and like commute, which is, I'm sorry, it felt really good <laughs> to humiliate them <laughs> a little bit. But then I was just like, you know, don't give the hecklers the stage. You know what I mean? Like, forget that. And when you click on them, on Twitter, I'm talking, or on uh, Instagram for that matter, almost every single one has like 10 followers, four followers. Like, they're uh, all like, bo- like fake. They're accounts. like nobody. I mean, sorry, sorry. That's not very nice. They're not happy. Um, there's somebody. I don't know who the hell they are, but they don't even have anything remotely interesting enough to say to get five people to see what they had wanted to say. I mean, I could, I could walk off the street, do another account and get five followers within two days. Probably. Right. I would think so. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> I think so. I think yeah. so. Do you, do you read all the negative comments or, or not? Be honest. Yeah, I used to, but then I was listening to Howard Stern and Conan O'Brien talk and they were like, yeah, I don't look at one single comment on social media. And God, if I, you know, and I was like, oh, that's a really good idea. Like, just say your piece. You know, if you think it's funny or whatever, just let it out there and just let it go and on to the next one because it really doesn't matter. It's like a weird echo chamber that nothing matters. So, yeah. A lesson hard start- learned. For sure. And when you, when you don't put your, any energy towards it, it's just so much better, I feel like. You know, I, I used to I used to try and like write back to people and explain my case, and I'm like, I'm expelling so much energy, and like, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> like they're know. you know, people just want to talk. I know, shit, I like. and like somebody, I was listening to a podcast with Duff McKagan, who's the bassist for um, Guns and Roses, and he's kind of a, a thoughtful guy, and he's and he's 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 good on Twitter, and he took a two months off, two months off, and he was like, my life got better. And I was like, ooh, that's that's interesting <laughs> and worth yeah, thinking about. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I have a couple more questions about Southern Charm because we did get so many. Like one of my questions, which I've always fascinated by on these shows, is like you guys can really get into some serious arguments sometimes. And like, you know, shit gets ugly sometimes, but you always kind of manage to come back and like be friends again. Mm-hmm. Is that just your personality innately, or how do you how do you do that because I feel like if this are me on a reality show and people were saying some of the shit I saw them saying in their interviews, like I would never forgive. Yeah, I know. Well, I say that I I've said it. I kind of got it from the beginning. I understood like we have to say things that you're not gonna like, but like that's part of it. And it and I won't get mad if you say something as long as it's true. As long as it's true. If if it's just something you made up out of nowhere or it or like super harmful, like you got an. Internally, we should all know where the line is. I mean, some some don't. Uh, I won't get into that. But um, we there was a certain decorum on our show. I mean, yeah, it got nasty, but we we've held back on some things that could have been really damaging or harmful and stuff like that. But as long as you say something that's true or not exactly like you know a real deep cut, then I'm cool with it. You say whatever you want. Damn. If you could have anybody back from previous seasons back on the show, who would you have? I know it's crazy because a lot of people don't even remember, but Jenna from the first season, she was so outrageous off camera. And like, she was very guarded on and, and had this whole, and I just thought she was a hell of a lot. If she just owned her wild nutty self, 
it would have really worked well, but um, she'd want to do that. And, and Bravo got frustrated, I think, with her. Yeah. I mean, I wish Cam was back so I could have someone to laugh at everybody about, you know, in the corner of the party. Yeah, I, that's, that was going to be my guess of who you would have chosen. It feels like yeah. you guys have such like a cute, like, relationship. We do. And it's, you know, I miss her and I haven't seen her in forever. I feel like we talk on the phone a lot. But um, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I miss her being around because we both kind of snickered at the insanity in the corner. And um, there's, I don't know who to talk to anymore. I mean, that's kind <laughs> of a, a vague generalization, but it's kind of true. Yeah, we, I, I'm as a viewer, I miss Cam. I mean, too. Austin and Craig are great, good friends, and I'm not gonna, yeah. And and Pringle's great. I think he's was a funny uh, addition, and and um, you know, Catherine is her wild self, and but uh, yeah, so I, I miss I miss Cam. Yeah. Okay, I have one more, two more Southern Charm questions, and then we need to get into your book because this is really impressive okay. that you wrote a book. But I got Thank this you. question like four times, and I I don't know why people are uh, people are wondering this, but have you ever hooked up with Madison? No, never, never. ever. Was there like a never, never. like a brief like period of time where you thought about it? <laughs> no, I mean I didn't. There was one time, and she she talks about this like it was like like the Noah's Ark finding or something. I, I we were going out to a party at my at my at me and Whitney's house on season two, season two, so five years ago. I didn't I didn't know who she was. I know she did uh, Patricia's hair, and I, yeah, I might have been like, "Hey, baby, like let me pour you a drink or something like that." And she was like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh," and I was like, "Okay, no big deal." <laughs> like, you know, shot my shot. Not a very, like, you know, wasn't all that hung up. I mean, it was, she was just in the taxi with us. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, that's the only requirement apparently to me, uh, shooting my shot. So, and then she went down the beach with Craig. They walked down the beach together and they claim nothing happened. But that was a one night and never thought about it once ever again. Um, not nothing against her, but I just no. Yeah, no thanks. that seems very innocent. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Okay, yeah. okay. We'll have to. I don't know why the rumor mill is buzzing, but no, yeah, no. I mean, I just think she would like maybe weaponized like any sort of hookup, like, and I don't want. I don't want that. And by the way, I'm, I'm seeing Taylor, and I would never do that. But um, yeah, it would scare me. It would scare me. You know what I mean? Because you never know when things will bubble to the surface and, w- and what will be said and when. Yeah, man. The weaponizing. I'm like, I noticed that on the reunion. I'm like, oh man, you're going up to Andy and showing him like your personal text yeah. messages. I'm like, oh, are we in fifth grade? What's happening I know. here? And, and, yeah, I mean, you got to be careful who knows any sort of information about yourself. Uh Sarah. So that's my advice to you personally. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I got to be careful you know, about the things I say. I like to be an open messages. book. Yeah. I like to be an open book, you know, like, okay, hey, what do you want to know? But some people don't, uh, can, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. All right. Well, we need to chat about your book because this thing, Average Expectations, Lessons in Lowering the Bar. What a title, by the way. This is a great title. Did you Thanks. what made you what made you think of this? Like what what motivated you? And did you ever think that you would actually be an author one day? Yes. Well, I did. I or I, I desired to be so. 
I love writing. I love reading. I've written a lot of essays and turned them into certain publications and gotten crickets uh, back. But uh, so, I mean, of course I owe the audience that, it, that it'll hopefully reach to, to Bravo and the show. Um, but I would have thought, yeah, I would have written um, it, it, at some point in my life, I'm quite certain. But average expectations, yeah. I wanted to call it a lot of different things. Um, I, uh, you can't lasso a zebra was something I wanted to call it. It's, <laughs> it's true and it's funny. Let's see, the tooth hurts. And I wanted to have a picture of me with, I got my tooth knocked out in Sonoma County on while I was on mushrooms. And I'm wearing a beret. It's in the book. Just go find it. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to call it the tooth hurts. And all these, they were kind of like, ha, 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 no. <laughs> Simon and Schuster wasn't. And finally, I was sitting around thinking about it. And I was like, ooh, this could be good. Because I love Great Expectations, Mrs. Havisham and... And Finn, or is that his name? Yeah. And all that. I, I just love old literature classics. And I was like, average expectations. So that's how it came about. That's so awesome. Did you start this process before quarantine? Was this like an ongoing project? And then that just sped up your writing process? Or was this all born in the last year? Yeah, I would say maybe in December of last year, or maybe November. Um, my, my agents, my agent Danielle... At, at William Morris has a colleague who's a literary agent named Eve also at William Morris. And she's a fan of the show. And so we went out to lunch in New York and, and I'm, uh, and we just had a ball. It was just a funny lunch. And um, Eve was like, we, I really, the reason I'm here is I think you, you could, you should write a book. And I was like, okay, cool. And I had just kind of gotten rid of my podcast. I was like, yeah, I need something to do. I, I didn't like podca- the podcast game. I mean, I, I might revisit it one day, but it was just kind of like a job, <laughs> which I've been trying to avoid my whole <laughs> life. Like you have to fucking deliver to, you know, twice a week these things. And it's just kind of like, fuck, what am I doing? I can't. So I can't go to Costa Rica for three weeks and serve. <laughs> well, you got to bring the equipment down there. You know, so I was like, no, no. It's a lot, man. I can confirm. So, but a a book, the book, you can, you're in control. You are completely in control. You know, you are your own editor. Uh, you know, like going back to, you know, you get to say exactly what you want to say and how you want to say it. There's something really nice about that. I want to give you credit too, because I think a lot of people, when they see like these celebrity memoirs, they're like, did they actually write this or did they have like a ghostwriter? Like you, you wrote this. You can tell. I did. <laughs> yeah. I did. Yeah. No, I hope that that's true. And my mom said the same thing. She, she said, it sounds like you were talking to me. Mm-hmm. So that makes, that makes me happy. Um, I did have a girl, Dina Gatchman, and she had done um, one with Stasi, the book, uh, Basic Something or Other. So they were like, look, you, you would be probably best served getting someone. Uh, and, you know, we, they recommended a few people. One was a male. One was a, Dina's obviously a female. And I went with the female, like almost like a therapist, because that's what they kind of are for, for the months that you're writing. And, you know, for some, it's different for everybody. I, I like writing and I think I'm fairly good at it. So I told her, I was like, your job's going to be pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, uh, sometimes they just interview the subject and write a whole book um, on what the person said. And I couldn't imagine doing that. I mean, yeah, I, I, I didn't want to do that. So I said, 
And she was like, that's cool. It's like totally up to you. Like what? And so I basically gave her as much clay uh, in my, as I had in my heart and mind. And she helped mold it into a pretty good book. And so uh, a lot of credit to her. She would, you know, Hey, talk more about this or like, I like where you're going here, but we need to do, you know, just like a really good editor. And then she would add, you know, Hey, I think this is the wrong direction. Let's go here. And, you know, just really nice. Really nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I feel like that would really help the process. I'm like, I need one. I need one of those. <laughs> Someone to help yeah. Steer I am not, ship. I'm not that organized. I, I, I mean, my, my biggest critique at writing growing up in high school was a lot of like in papers and whatnot. A lot of good thoughts here. Totally disorganized. <laughs> so that's sort of my MO. Like just, I just kind of barf out everything that I think and know. And it's not, I don't write an outline. I don't do second drafts, but um, that's what uh, these great people at Simon and Schuster are for. Yeah. You did say in your book, though, that your like love of literature helped you get the ladies. Can you, can you tell us about that? I mean, yeah, I mean a big word, a big word place here and there can definitely get some attention, um, some positive attention. And I mean, if a hell, if a girl or a guy says a big word, I'm like, look at you, big guy. You know, like I I mean, I'm like, I, I perk up if I hear a word that if I especially if I don't know it, but if I kind of know what it is and I I get impressed easily. So you never know. I think vocabulary is very important. And I mean, there's so many words out there. I hate poor grammar, even though I'm not the best at it, but just sort of laziness. Like, I hate where are you at? Uh, where are you? Where are you? Question mark. Like, at, don't end a sentence in a preposition. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man. No, that's, I, I, I feel you. I mean, I'm like, I speak in like, emojis at this point. So, but I, yeah, I like emojis. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board with emojis. Emojis are okay. My mom is now using emojis, which is a revelation. I love it. I love it. Um, what's your favorite, what's your all-time favorite book? Well, Lonesome Dove is my favorite work of fiction. So good. My mom's favorite book too. And she made me read it. It's a thousand pages. So good. I mean, I cried like a baby and uh, <laughs> several times. And um, I was like, probably in, in college when I read it. And so I really love that. I love everything David Foster Wallace writes. A supposedly fun thing I'll never do again is my favorite work of nonfiction. He's just so funny and smarter than really anyone out there. And uh, John Irving, all his works of fiction are fantastic. A Prayer for Owen Meany, uh, World According to Garp. Uh, all these books are just so good. And so so, I mean, I, I, I could go on and on. In fact, the last few pages are my favorite, my book list. So check it out. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like you did have a list in there. Um, so fun. I love that you and your mom like share books together. That's really cute. <laughs> oh, I mean, I went home for Christmas and it was just me. My, my um, brother and sister were at their in-laws. So it was just me and my mom and my dad. And of course, it's COVID. So it's not like we were having, you know, usually we go to parties and stuff like that. But And we were... Um, We'd wake up or, you know, they wake up, I'd wake up a couple hours later and, uh, and we, you know, maybe make some coffee, get some lunch. And then the afternoon we would all three sit in, in the sitting room and read a, a book. So, and this was every day for like four days, we'd spend a few hours reading and my mom 
always gives me books um, that she thinks I'll like. Some, usually she's right. Sometimes she's very wrong. Though. That's so precious. Aww. Quick break so I can shout out one of my favorite sponsors, Ritual. You guys don't know Ritual. It is a vegan-friendly, clean multivitamin formulated with nine key nutrients, including vitamin D3, iron, omega-3, B12, folate, and more to help fill gaps in the diet. I've been taking them for about six weeks now. It was part of my New Year's resolutions to stick to a vitamin regimen. And I honestly feel so good knowing I'm doing something great for my body every single day. Ritual multivitamins are scientifically developed to help support different life stages. So they have formulations for women, men, teens, and they even have a best-selling prenatal vitamin that I've heard is incredible. Like I don't need that one just yet, but I did get the men's formula for my fiance so we could both be on this little health and wellness journey together. And I love that Ritual tastes minty fresh and comes in delayed release capsules. So you can actually take them with or without food, which is honestly a huge plus. Like I know if I have to wait to take my multivitamin with food, I just forget half the time. So I love that I can wake up, pop my Ritual first thing in the morning and not have to worry about it. I'm also a huge sucker for convenience. So I just love that Ritual delivers your multivitamin right to your door every month with free shipping always. You can start, snooze, or cancel your subscription anytime. And if you don't love Ritual within your first month, they'll refund your first order. You deserve to know what's in your multivitamin. That's why Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Just visit ritual.com slash big kid. That's ritual.com slash big kid to start your ritual today. Speaking of your family, because I actually thought this was a really interesting part of your book. And I think it's something that people are very curious about you because you obviously come from these not so humble beginnings. I think that was the okay. first chapter of your book. <laughs> With your family background though, I thought it was so interesting. So, cause like people always wonder like, well, how do you, you know, these like Southern legacies? Like, I just thought it was like very interesting that like your family was handed, like your family was handed land from King George. <laughs> George, yeah. Yeah, in seventeen in the late seventeen hundreds, that's in, wild. Uh, in South Carolina, yeah, here's five thousand acres or whatever, and um, so they b- helped build the town, you know. And it's just, I mean, I guess a lot of it is just like who who was, you know, America is obviously a melting pot and uh, a, a land full of immigrants. Um, but I, if you were here earlier, you have a better chance of. Uh, being granted land, I think. So it was near, maybe just a case of us getting here before everybody else. You know what I mean? If you came here in the 1900s, no one was giving away anything. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. It's very true. But, you know, I guess the king owned, uh, claimed to own, we, we showed him in the Revolutionary War, um, you know, claimed to own all this land. And, and you know, it was, you know, he wanted it to be, the crops to be, um, whatever and cultivated so they could pay taxes on it or, or whatever. So uh, he entrusted this land to people to try to, uh, I don't know, line his pockets in the end. Everybody's a selfish bastard. <laughs> it's just so interesting that like you, you can trace back your lineage that far. And it is, it's, I thought it was really yeah. cool. Like I, I don't, I don't know much farther than like a couple generations. So I was like, that's really cool that you have all of this history here in the U S um, well, and then, and then, and then, of course, the unspoken awful part is 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 slavery. And I mean, you know, 
what awful, you know, what are you going to do though? You can't change the past and you can't, I don't think, and I think it's dangerous to expect future generations to pay for the sins of their, uh, of their forefathers, but maybe it's, maybe it's the right thing to do. I'm, I'm willing to listen to all, you know, all uh, arguments on that. I'm just going to be honest and open because I, I'm a pretty progressive guy, uh, and I'm down to listen and I wish everybody else was actually willing to listen. Just listen. It's a black mark on our, on our, our, our past, you know, everybody's waiting on either side, left and right, for you to screw up and say something wrong so they can come and get you and they can cancel you. And so that means we don't even talk about things that would it'd be nice to have a healthy dialogue, even if you totally didn't agree with the other side, to talk it out. Mm-hmm. And um, we've lost we've lost a lot of that um, of late. And I think it's dangerous and it's not good for, for all of us. I have to agree with you. And I think it is, it's like, it, it's, great that you're like owning it, acknowledging it, talking about it openly. Yeah. And you know, sure. like what else can anyone expect you to do? It's not, you had no control know. over a past situation. No, nope. nope. exactly. You did have a couple like interesting lines also in your book when you're just talking about like wealth and lineage. I mean, I don't even think this is a question. I just wrote it down on my list because I loved it when I read it. When you were, you were saying like some of the lessons you had from your parents and one of them was rich screams and money whispers. Rich screams, wealth whispers. Okay. So if you are have real wealth, you do not, you are not ostentatious. I mean, my grandparents drove shitty cars and lived in the same house they raised my mom in. Look at someone like Warren Buffett. Of course, he's he, he's lived in Omaha, Nebraska, his whole life. And then you look at Trump, who has gold-plated buildings and and freaking seven forty-seven jets and. That's just rich. That's nouveau riche, and that's tacky. I was just, I was just taught not to be tacky or try not to be. Is there, are there any other like, uh, you know, Rose family lessons around around finances that you can share? <laughs> Never drive nice cars. It's a, it's a fool's errand. And so we've just always driven cars and driven them and handed them down. Like I've never had a new car before. I was in my. I think maybe thirties, I, I would just drive mom's old one. And, and then until it broke down, you know, and, and then, and then they put it on the scrapyard. So it was always hand-me-downs and it was never. And I mean, we always got, we were told no. I mean, you know, I wanted a, a drum set. My mom's like, there's no way I'm letting you keep me up at night banging on drums. And, you know, that's a dumb example maybe, but <laughs> We, we got, I mean, we got nice things for Christmas, of course. And if we really wanted something and expressed interest, we, they, would, they would cultivate our interest. But yeah, just to get kids whatever they want and throw them toys all the time is, is dangerous, I think. And it, that was never with us. Yeah. I just think like some people, I think, have a perception of like trust fund kids that get whatever they want. And I love that you're just like pretty, yeah. like, you know, it's not like that. And they were very careful not to not to make us think that way. And by the way, I know the trust fund kids. Uh, that's a, that's another level that I am not. We are not a part of. You know the. I do understand. You know, there's a there's a certain benchmarks that can kind of change everything. Palm Beach comes to mind. I know some kids down there that have no or very little grasp of reality, <laughs> and it's not really their fault. It's just. You know, we didn't have a butler. We had, you know, we had, my parents had help raising us with certain individuals, but um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm still waiting for my parents to reveal that I've had a trust fund this whole time. Oh, uh, yeah. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> any day. They were just trying to, you know, build character. That's 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 <laughs> any day now they're going to let me know. Um, we have to obviously talk about your relationship with Taylor. I think everybody... I got so many questions about this. I think everybody's really happy for you. You seem like you're so happy and finally in a relationship that like works for you. When did you, where, mm-hmm. When did you guys meet... How long has it been? Is this your longest relationship? It's coming up on the longest one. Yeah. Um, it's we met last November, so two Novembers ago. And um at home team barbecue on Sullivan's Island. And uh it was the middle of the afternoon. I'm I'm working on I'm working on this pilot for a TV show that I I've sort of created and uh, it's about my friend who's in the mil- who just got out of the military and and uh, so I had just he and I had just done a conference call with some writers in LA just to get an idea of some stories that we could develop and um, we went I go right, let me buy you beer so we went there and there was Taylor and her friend and I was like who the hell is that because I kind of feel like I know everybody um, it's it's a bit it's not like a tiny town but you do feel like you know most people. Um, or at least have seen them before. So, turns out she's fairly new in town. We went over and talked, and the next day we had some fun. And she lied and told me she was a marine biologist and said she specialized in shark sex. <laughs> and I called her out because I know everything about shark sex um, because I watched Shark Week religiously at my family. That was like a big week at, at the Rose Residence, but um, and. Yeah. And so I, the next day I left for Mexico, I went on a, a three week trip to Mexico. Great time. And, uh, so I was like, it's nice to meet you. Maybe I'll see you in three weeks. And, um, she, she messaged me about a week and a half in and was like, how well do you know your friend? I was like, I mean, okay, why? Uh, he just sent me a dick pic <laughs> unsolicited. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know him that well. Wait, this is the friend that you met and- her with? That was at the restaurant? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, I thought that was really funny. And she did too. She was like unbelievable. And so we kind of bonded over how funny we thought that the unsolicited dick pic was. And I was like, well, if you can resist his charms, <laughs> uh, wait for me. I'll be back in a week and a half. And um, she was able to resist. So um, yeah, it's been a year and four months or something. And I mean, and, I mean, the, the crazy thing is, is so we, we started dating, I mean, dating, whatever you want to call it. I mean, she was real, I think she was real cautious, but not in like a weird way. Just like, she was like, I know she had heard who I was. I don't think she was a fan of the show or anything like that, but you know, people talk mm-hmm. and um, she kind of went into it very like okay, I'm not I'm not expecting anything. Let's have fun. Let's see where this goes. Which is a, by the way, girls, if you're listening, the proper way to approach. You know, uh, and are we so going to get I married? Like, yes okay. or no? <laughs> Day two. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I and I've tried to be honest with her about that. Like I don't know if I ever want to get married. Mm. But um, and she's like, I kind of hear you on that. So that another great thing, you know. And uh, especially, I'm, I'm definitely thinking that like her sister is married and um and she had the option to do a big wedding or 
or like just sort of do a little party and go on an amazing vacation and do it and do a down payment on your home. And, and she did the big wedding and she's to this day tells Taylor, like, I would really consider that a little more carefully knowing what I know. So that's something um, that I, I think big weddings are sort of silly. Don't you? Yeah, especially well. I mean, I've been to I've been to some fabulous ones. Don't get me wrong; I'm not knocking them. I've had some wonderful times all around the world, but um, yeah, it's so expensive. It is lighting so money expensive. on fire. It's, it's so ridiculous. Stupid. It's crazy. I'm in the middle of planning one, so I know all about it. It's yeah, not fun. and I mean, if you want to say you want to talk about the wealth thing and all that, like you know, if you're if you're if you're smart, you want to hold on to your money. You, you you tone it down a little bit. I think. Yeah, is that like um. Know. Like, I think I actually heard Patricia on a podcast say something like that. Like, she was like against big weddings. She's like, my weddings were very small and intimate. Like, I guess if you're at yeah. a certain level, you don't you don't need the showiness of like a big ordeal. No, no. But anyway, <laughs> um, what were we talking about? We're talking about? about Taylor. You guys met. You guys fell in love over oh, an yeah, unsolicited yeah. No, no, no. dick pic. So, <laughs> right. And so we start seeing each other, like tiptoeing around each other in, in, a, in a very nice, loving way. and. And then it just, it just sort of like, it's just very comfortable. I'm just very comfortable around her. I don't, there's no awkwardness. There's no, she's just very sweet and kind. And those are the two things that I think um, are the most lovely things someone can be. And, um, you know, make, make other people around you feel good. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whomever they are, that's, that's where it's at. And, and understanding <laughs> that's important too. And, patient and all these things. So I think we complimented each other well. So then we started filming the new season and I was like, look, I've got to do, I've got to film this show <laughs> and I can't see you if you don't want to do it because I, I'm not going to play cat and mouse with my life. I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm a guy who here, open the door here. Here's everything. And she was like, no, I'll do it. I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm, and um, then the quarantine hit like three weeks after we first started filming. So then all of a sudden we're living with each other. Uh, it, it, things happened very strangely and quickly. And I liked it. I didn't hate it. I didn't, I, what, I peeked over the fence of domesticity <laughs> and I didn't panic. Um, I feel like so, I feel like quarantine was make or break for a lot of couples. Like I feel like if you if you went through it and you you were like enjoying your time together and kind of came out stronger the other side, I think that says a lot about your relationship because those are extreme circumstances. I agree. I agree. And and I mean, we had moments where we we screamed at each other over Monopoly one night. <laughs> we played. <laughs> As one does. If you play Monopoly and don't end screaming, like you're, you, you did something wrong. <laughs> right. Well, she bought up every every property she came across. She bought, and I was, and so she thought she was doing well until like she started running out of money and she couldn't afford to build hotels. And I was, I was being a little more strategic. I know how to play Monopoly, but um, and there was a couple other minor things, but it was like fine. It was fine. And again, it maybe that goes back to the arguing thing that you see and then it's like over like okay got that out of me it's over that that's true on the show too with craig and austin mm -hmm. and um so you're just able to just like fume or vent whatever you want to call it and then it's over and and you know then you have a long talk and a long walk the next day and and you just kind of lay it all out which how how you got there and um 
and how to not do that again, potentially. So, um, yeah, it hasn't been perfect, but I, I was, we were laughing the other day. I was like, what, what relationships in this town are ideal to like, are like, Oh, look at them. Everything's perfect. There's literally none. We went through about six couples she was like, you're right. That's, that's dysfunctional. Oh boy, that's a dumpster fire. I'm like, we're pretty good compared to them. Let's just go ahead and, 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 look, at, and look at the other examples around town. Yeah. And, and here's the problem, Sarah, is that, well, it, not the problem, it's a problem. Like our parents, I don't know about you, but my parents and then her parents too, have been married forever. Mm. You know, it's just, and it's such a, it's it's a it's a very nice example, but sometimes I feel like it's almost unrealistic example. Um, you know, and and the pedestal is is so high, and they had it so different. My mom was nineteen or twenty one, sorry, when she married my dad, it was twenty six, and so different. And, um, yeah, and there wasn't social media, and there wasn't like you know people sliding into DMs with dick pics <laughs> and and other other kind of pics, and it's just. It was just easier. You, you didn't, everyone wasn't interconnected. And I think that's really kind of a, a, a dangerous thing. And I don't think it's good for the future of relationships, but it's, it's the current situation. It's not going to change. Yeah. I was going to ask you like what you thought, what you thought was kind of the basis of why you were a little bit on the fence about monogamy your whole life. And do you think that that the whole, like your parents kind of, you had this like very yeah. high pedestal or is there other reasons? That's right. That's all it is. I was like, I'm not bringing some girl uh, to to like mess up this happy home. I mean, and, and not, I'm talking about my, my families, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, you know, I've said this before, but my mom and my sister go on long walks um, and talk about it. God knows what. I mean, I've been with them before, but I can't imagine bringing someone who's like not, I don't know, informed, bright, uh, you know, uh, something, you know, kind, good, all these things. And so it's hard to find. And so I was just like, I'm not going to do it unless I feel really, really solid about it. And um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Hopefully I don't screw things up. <laughs> Have you brought Taylor into your tight family unit yet? Has oh, yeah. she met the, met the crew? Yeah, they love her. She did puzzles with my mom and my mom loves puzzles. And um, so, and you know, yeah, it's been really nice, uh, that, that aspect. And it's, it's hard to ignore, you know? So you do appreciate that. Yeah. What about what about vice versa meeting her family? Was it a little weird because like you're somebody on television? Like they probably like mm-hmm. I would hate for my fiance's parents to know like deep intimate details of my life. Like sure. You know, was that was that tricky at all navigating that? They are so nice. I mean, especially her mom. I mean, she is the sweetest. She's a lot like Taylor, just like just so kind. So um I, and that, so no, they were perfectly good to me and I, we've hung out several times and, um, great family. I mean, I went over there and, um, the first time I went down to, to meet them, I was up in the mountains of North Carolina and they have a place kind of near there. So drove down and they had margaritas ready for us, a pitcher and they, they had a little boat and a lake they live on. And we cruised around the lake drinking margaritas. I was like, this isn't a bad deal. That's so great. So, um, and then a couple times, or one time, they have some friends that, that like the show, and they were really tickled that I was dating Taylor. So 
we all went out for drinks and they were really sweet, good people. And so I, I, I hope it's a positive, but yeah, I'm sure there's times I, I'm glad I'm not watching the show next to them because I know that they watch this season to see their daughter. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sure it could have been pretty nerve wracking. Oh gosh. Oh my God. Yeah, I can imagine. But, but that's we good. had a good season. This, I, 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 this season was good. And so I don't really have anything that gives me terrible anxiety. Are you, are you like, is there one season that you're like, please don't watch? <laughs> Six. 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 Yeah. That makes sense. I got dragged through the ringer on that one. I was a little too honest with what how I felt about everything and everyone, and it came back to bite me. I did want to... Okay, I actually wanted to bring this up, not to jump off of Taylor, because I'm not going to let you off that easy. But uh, you mentioned in the book that after season six, you like actually kind of had like a tough like look in the mirror. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little, a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I had listened to this podcast by uh, Sam Harris. He's the best, by the way, if you don't listen to him. Making Sense with Sam Harris. Right after you listen to Big Kid <laughs> Problems. Perfect. And it was with Ricky Gervais a couple of years ago. And it was about political correctness and, and just sort of... And trying to tailor everything you say to make everyone happy and how that's just stupid and wrong. And like, you know, your opinion shouldn't affect what I say. You know, that's your opinion. That's cool. Go about your day, you know. But, you know, things are different now. There's an online uh, crowd with pitchforks ready to get you, you know. And um, so I had that. I, I, for some reason, it, it resonated with me. And I, I was kind of, I, again, I'd had a bad season. So I was kind of like, fuck everyone, you know. Fuck the haters. Fuck the trolls. and. Um, so I had this this sort of indignance about me, and um, and it was just it was just full of ne- negativity. And so, yeah, I had to I had to really look at that, and uh, and and realize that that's not even who I am. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm just a happy guy. I, I I I really think I don't have any enemies in this world. If I do, I don't really know exactly who they are. They haven't revealed themselves, but I'm sure they're out there. But I, uh, and again, Conan Brian, Conan O'Brien also said this great thing in his interview with Howard Stern. He was like, I don't want to have anybody who I walk into a restaurant. I'm like, uh Oh, they're here. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, or, or they feel that way about me. Mm. Like I just, and I was like, Ooh, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I don't want that either. And I hope I don't. I actually really like that. I'm like, Oh, I have a couple of those. <laughs> you do? Yeah. Maybe, oh, do you tell. maybe I should work on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bury bury that hatchet. Forget about so it. So what what helped helped you bury that ha- hatchet? I went to therapy. Yeah, I did that because again, here I am again. Conan and 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 Howard both extolled the virtues of, of therapy big time. They're like, I don't think I I have improved so much. And they're like, you know, when I first started off in entertainment, they did. Mm. Um, they were like, I I wasn't, but th- this life kind of can twist and turn you. And I'm not saying it's like, I'm at even near what, what, you know, how many eyeballs are on them or in ears, but they were like, I couldn't have navigated it all uh, without, um, yeah, going to therapy. And it's been so beneficial. And I was like, oh man, these guys are like my heroes. So I'm going to go ahead and maybe look into that. And I did. And it, she's great. Um, 
again, a, a female therapist, also had a female uh, co-writer, Dina. Mm. So I think that maybe women and I, um, at least collaboratively, or I, I listen, you know what it is? It's because my mom, my mom was the one who did the heavy lifting, raising us. And I just, I, I respond, I guess, better to females. So awesome. So therapy was really helpful, um, which is always, I yeah. mean, we talk a lot about therapy on this podcast. So I always like love reiterating that. Is there any like one big lesson that you've gotten recently that's like really stuck with you? Well, the, the biggest one, which I loved, and you'll love it too, um, I think. Um, I was telling her about Taylor. And this is in the beginning. This is the beginning of our relationship. Um, and we've talked recently too um, about you know this and that. But um, it took a break because of COVID. But um, anyway, so uh, it was in the beginning of our relationship and in my relationship with the therapist. And I was telling her about Taylor. I was like, you know, I've seen this girl. She's great. But, you know, I always sort of look for an exit um, in a relationship. I just, if, if you give me one, I'll generally take it, you know? And um, instead of, I, I, I liken it to, you know, you're crawling up some stairs to a building that's sky high. And if someone gives you a bright, shiny exit, you can stop crawl. You can stop, you know, hiking the stairs. And that, that, that has been my modus operandi for a long time. And, um, and she was like, what, why do you think that is? I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, I told her about, you know, my parents' relationship, how wonderful it is. I, I've got all the examples in the world of, of good relationship. I was like, I just get anxiety a little bit about like, what if things don't work out? What if, you know, there's some, I meet someone else. What if, uh, you know, what if something bad happens and, and then her whole, you know, family and, and, and friends are, or not, or, you know, spit on the ground when they hear my name. I, she was like, Shep, every single person in a relationship has these anxieties. You are not special, <laughs> you know? And that was like, that. I needed to hear that. I, of course, I guess I just hadn't considered that. Um, but, you know, you think, oh, and, and I think people lie. I, I think people really lie about their relationships. Oh, we're meant to be together. We're soulmates, and when in reality, like there's some, probably some tension that. But I mean, of course, well, you don't have to tell everybody your personal business. I'm not advocating that. But when you trumpet around, usually the people that have the most to hide are the ones who are running around telling you how wonderful things are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I think that's why a lot of people, especially like you know, in the single days when you're looking out like outwards out to relationships. I feel like people have this this expectation of what it's supposed to look like and it's supposed to be perfect and you're supposed to... Because we hear all the, the shit, you know? Like we yeah. we see what it's, it's like in movies. Bullshit. You're supposed yeah, to look at each other. Yeah. It's on a fucking napkin somewhere or like on a on, on some sign above a bar or, or whatever, you know? So yeah, yeah. I hear you. You're supposed to look at... See a person for the first time and know that they're your forever. And it's like, that's not that's reality, absurd. actually. No, it's not. And, you know, in a world full of, you know, 6 billion people, there's probably more than one soulmate. <laughs> there's probably a lot, you know? There, but I, I don't, by the way, soulmate's a silly word too, in my opinion. But, you know, you find someone who makes you happy and, and d doesn't make you anxious or doesn't annoy you or all these things, which is hard to do. It's very hard to do, yeah. as you know. And so, and, you went, and then you realize, and then you hope, you know, or you you gamble essentially on whether you think that's going to be forever, and forever sounds like a long time. So it is scary, and it does require a leap of faith. and And it's yeah, it's big decisions when 
you're single, nothing's a big decision. It doesn't matter, especially in that arena. You know, you're like, eh, you know, I could call her back or I could not call her back. No big deal. You know what I mean? And there's no gravity to the, any of those decisions. And, um, but I've got this theory that like, you know, we were put on this earth and, and, you know, having a lot of fun is definitely a priority and it should be for a lot of us. It should be to put a smile on your face should be a priority. That that's a very lovely thing to want, but uh, maybe not your whole life. Maybe at some point you uh, you know do the family thing, and, and it's difficult, but it's worthwhile and it's so rewarding in all these different ways. So that's sort of uh, you know something that I've been tumbling around in my mind. I was going to ask if if that had if that those are things that you eventually want i know you have little craig now has that you know like tapped yeah. into a- <laughs> it has it really has that you're exactly right i mean craig is definitely like i i have to deal with little craig every day and i have really love it i love it i i just walked him on the beach before we did this and you know we're going to have fun this afternoon somehow some way i don't know how but <laughs> Uh, it has put me in a different mindset. Yes. Yeah. I would say, I'd say the same thing, dog parent, like parenthood. Cause I was always scared. I'm like, I, oh, I, you know, I, I can barely take care of myself one. And I'm also like kind of selfish, like with my time and what I want to yeah. do. And that, that I think is so interesting. Like when you see taking care of something is like, actually, oh, it actually brings me a lot of joy. Like I actually love it. Yeah, it really does. And I mean, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fearful of losing that spontaneity of, of running uh, to, I don't know, the Bahamas or, or further, you know, and, and, and doing this and that and just kind of chasing around a good time. Um, but I've done that a lot. <laughs> I've got some pretty good stories I wrote about it. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a decision and it's, there's probably never, you're never, nobody's going to say ding, 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 you made the right one. You know what I mean? So um, I don't know. It's it's a good good position to be in. Honestly, I really believe that, that I'm in a great one, and and she's a big part of that. And we'll see where it goes. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm careful not to make promises, and I think that that's important. Uh, but being very honest is also very important, and so it's all good. Yeah. Is it something you guys have talked about? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. A little nice. bit. I have to pry. I'm sorry. It's my job. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. And you know, and of course, my life is crazy right now because. I honestly can't tell you what's going to be happening in six months. You know what I mean, or where where it might be happening. Mm-hmm. Let's say that let's say one of my you know projects gets picked up by you know a long shot, but I'll have to move to where they're filming the show. You know, so I'm okay with that. I, that's fun. I like that aspect of uh, uncertainty. But um, I mean, and, and that's not a cop out either. That's just saying like I am not uh, an accountant who goes to. The, the, the office down the street five days a week and, you know, has a barbecue on Saturday. That's just not who I am. So it, it makes it a little more, you know, you have to stretch your imagination to see how it all works. Yeah. It's doable though. It's totally doable. It's doable. Yeah. It is doable. It's happening all over the world. <laughs> how, how? I just read Matthew McConaughey's book and that's really good. I recommend it. Oh, really? Um, yeah. He's a, he's funny. I mean, He's kind of a, a space ball kind of funny guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, I like it. I, I, he comes across as great. Mm. Um, and, he, and he talks a lot about him getting married and having kids. And it was a difficult decision. And so I, I really enjoyed reading that part and it, and it resonated with me. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember when he was like, you know, playing the bongos 
<laughs> you know, yeah, no, he talks ago. about that. I mean, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> definitely this kind of oddball from Texas. His, but his family's crazy too. And then he talks about them. So you kind of understand where it comes from. That's so funny. I know. I, I've been talking more and more with friends like about this. Like just, you know, we're getting to an age where I, I feel like I, I've been having so much fun for so long. And then there, there yeah. kind of does hit a point where you're like, okay, like I'm kind of interested to see what other chapters there are to life. Like I've yeah. really, I've really put in some, some good time with this and sure. you know, I think it's sure. next chapters are and fun. You can still have your fun and pick your spots. And the important part is the person, the other person is understands who you are and understands that you have that it's somewhere in you to, to be a wild person every now and then. And to just kind of like, temper their expectations of a complete change. You know what I mean? A, a, a rearrangement of who someone is. Cause I don't think that that happens very often successfully. Yeah. That's, that's very true. Um, and that kind of goes to this, this whole idea, this whole concept that you have in your book, when we get back to, you know, these average expectations and you talk about Shepland, like you live in Shepland yeah, and I feel like, I feel like this is so relatable and, to, especially to our audience. So I guess to wrap this up, tell us tell us a little bit about Shopland and and why why you uh, choose to live there. <laughs> uh, I I got a job um, at a at a college delivering pizzas in Hilton Head, and um, the guy who owned the place was like four years older. Fun guy, a lot of fun. I, I to this day, great guy. Put, he. He was my sister's friend, that, that older crowd. And I really liked them. There were some funny guys. And so I looked up to them and he just thought I was ridiculous in a, in a great way. Like he was just like, nothing, you just kind of float around and you, things work out. And, and if they don't, it's not a big deal. And, <laughs> and you just sort of go around and, and try to spread joy and laugh your ass off at everything that you see. And try to make a joke out of everything. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, Shepland, that's where you exist in. So that's where it came from. And I mentioned it to Dina, my co-writer, and she was like, you have to talk a lot about Shepland. I said, okay, let's talk about Shepland. I love it. I, so, I feel like we could all learn to embrace that a little bit more, you know? Yeah, nothing really matters like in the long run. Of course, it's easy to get frustrated. I got frustrated today um, at a couple little things, but it's nothing that stays with you or an argument or something that someone said in an interview, like, eh, <laughs> who cares? Like, like holding grudges, they say is, uh, like swallowing poison and waiting for the other person to die, you know? So I'm just not going to live my life. I'm going to try to live my life, not running into people at restaurants who aren't happy to see me. <laughs> I love that. Well, Shep, thank you so much for giving us your time today for giving us a little look into Shepland. And I want to pimp out your book. Um, I read it. This is a really fun read. Um, I've been traveling the last few days and I read it really fast. Like it's a, it's a fun one. It's a fun one. So congratulations. Yes. Okay. Congrats. And thank you, Sarah. Yeah. Thank you. All right, guys, that is a wrap on our episode this week. Big shout out to Shep Rose for being in the hot seat and answering so many of our burning questions. I'm going to add his new book, Average Expectations, to our BKP book list on Amazon. It will be linked in show notes, so definitely encourage you guys to check it out. 
If you guys like this show, please make sure to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Maybe click those five stars, leave a little review if you can. And when you review this show or pass it to a friend, it really does help this little show grow. So thank you. I know there are a ton of podcasts out there, so I really appreciate you spending your time with me. If you want to take things a little further, come hang out in the Big Kid Problems Facebook group. Check out the blog or Instagram for some laughs. And if you want to DM me on there, I always try to get back to your DMs and messages. Have an awesome week, guys. And I hope to see you back here next week for a brand new episode. Until then, I will see you next Tuesday. 